Welcome to the Readings Podcast, a celebration of books. I'm Mick O'Kelly. In today's episode, a recording taken from the online release of Miranda Luby's funny, heartwarming new young adult novel, Sadie Star's Guide to Starting Over. Sadie Star is a teen girl who is obsessed with starting over, whether it be a new year, a new diet, or a new social media identity. So when her family has to move interstate, she's excited for a fresh start. But life quickly becomes complicated when she meets her new classmates. This novel explores themes of black and white thinking and the journey to realising imperfections are part of being human. Mark Swith will join Miranda Luby in conversation. He's the host of the discussion, Text Publishing's Jane Pearson. Hello, everybody. My name's Jane Pearson. I'm a senior editor at Text Publishing. And Text, everyone at Text is super proud to be publishing Sadie Starr's Guide to Starting Over. And I've got the extra special joy and pleasure and honour of having been Miranda's editor on, on this wonderful book and working with her over the last year or so. So I'm sure most people here know Miranda very well, but possibly a few people don't. She's a journalist, a copywriter and an author living on the beautiful Victorian surf coast. I believe she's quite the surfer as well, and I'm very jealous of that. (laughs) In 2020, her manuscript turned up in the text prize submissions and it's it's a very exciting time at text. We know that there's going to be some really great things arrive via the text prize. And 2020 was a particularly special year, I think, partly because, a lot because, Miranda's wonderful book turned up in there. It wasn't called Sadie Star's Guide to Starting Over at that point and somehow fitting very well with the new title. The title got a, a do-over <laughs> along the way and now has this fantastic, wonderful title. So uh, this manuscript that turned up was pretty amazing. I'm going to read this little list of things, sort of issues that it covers. Perfectionism, black and white thinking, friendships, relationships, cancel culture, feminism, bullying, mental health, including disordered eating and, and OCD. In many circumstances, That's just like red flags flying everywhere for me as an editor looking for the next great book to publish. Issues can be really tricky. They can be really heavy. They can be really well-meaning, but they can really get in the way of a great story. But the amazing thing is that Miranda has not only delved into all of these issues with amazing insight and intelligence and a sense of the complexity and nuance of so many of these things and so many issues. But she's done it all through the most wonderful, engaging story and a character that I'm absolutely so totally in love with. Sadie Starr is so, she sort of like broke my heart and made me love her and everything all at the same time. She's so flawed. She's so well-intentioned but just sort of so off course in so many ways that we all are as we stumble through adolescence and probably a lot of the rest of the life, let's be <laughs> let's be uh, honest about this. But Sadie is just wonderful, and the story just sweeps you away. And it's she's she's absolutely nailed this beautiful way of bringing 
her incredible insight to these issues, but through this wonderful character and this wonderful story. And we might not all be perfectionists or be trying to start over at every every Monday morning, more, more or less. And we're certainly not all in our teenagers right now, but I really feel that everyone who reads this book will connect with Sadie in some way, whether it's remembering yourself back there or a teenager you know or whether you are that teenager that's suddenly saying, oh, there's bits of me I can really relate to here. She's so real and and so wonderful and I'm sure I'm not going to be the only one who absolutely falls in with her. So congratulations, Miranda, on an absolutely stellar debut. I'm, I'm so excited that this is now out in the world and it's been a real pleasure working with you and being part of your journey to your first first book and what a wonderful first book it is. This book is available at readings. So if you're in Melbourne, there will be a reading store not too far from you. It's their YA book of the month. And there's a very good reason for that, I think. It's just such a great, great book. If you're not in Melbourne, as I know a lot of you are, you can order it very easily online at readings. So Please do that. Buy it for yourself. Buy it for the teen in your life. Buy it for someone else. But I'm sure this uh, this will be a purchase that you'll be very, very happy to have made and a reading experience that that you'll uh, you'll treasure. So Miranda mentioned lived on Victoria's Surf Coast and must be a very creatively wonderful place to be because the next person I'm going to introduce also lives on Victoria's Surf Coast and has also written not just one but four now really wonderful books for teenagers. So Mark Smith kicked off his career in writing for teens with the Winter Trilogy, which began with The Road to Winter all the way back in 2016, and it remains today an absolute favourite among lots of teens. It's If you know this part of the, the coast, you will instantly be there when you turn the pages of, of these books. If you know another part of the Australian coast, I believe everybody else has been absolutely sure it was set in their part of the world, which is really quite something to, to have done. And Mark's latest book, If Not Us, also set on the surf coast and draws inspiration from the campaign uh, down there to shut down a local power station. And this story really looks into lots of the environmental impacts of this, but also the emotional costs. And once again, through an absolutely wonderful character and his story that just shines. So we're all very lucky tonight to be with Miranda on the launch of her wonderful book. We're also very lucky to have another really wonderful writer with us. And the two of them are now going to have a chat about Sadie Starr's Guide to Starting Over. So huge congratulations, Miranda. Over to you, Mark. Thanks very much, Jane. Thanks for that introduction. Um, I think we need to throw the light back onto this uh, amazing book uh, right from the very beginning. First of all, congratulations, Miranda. And I feel immensely privileged to be um, to have been asked to, to help you launch it. Um, now, you're a debut author. This is it. Um, I'm sure you've been practising your pitch for Sadie. <laughs> 
Um, and we'll have a lot of people online tonight who won't have read the book yet. So convince away. Give us your point. Right. Firstly, thank you um, so much, Shane, for that beautiful introduction. Um, makes me teary. I really appreciate your kind words. And thank you so much, everyone, for coming. I've met a lot of people online in the last two years and it's uh, from all over the place and it's great to have you all together. So thank you. Um, so Sadie Starr's Guide to Starting Over, it's about a 16-year-old girl named Sadie who feels like she's not getting life quite right. She's not very popular. She's always on a new diet. Uh, her school grades are really up and down and she tries to kiss her best friend, which doesn't work out very well. Um, so her parents' move, family moves interstate at the beginning of year 11 and she uses it as a chance to start over, to be, you know, the best version of Sadie she can. She deletes all her social media and she throws out her wardrobe and she starts a new diet and exercise regime. Uh, and at her new school, she meets a very glamorous girl named Alexa, who is the ringleader of an all-girls feminist group. Uh, and this group, they wear these pink women support badges and uh, they're the popular girls at school as well. And uh, at the school, social approval comes from endorsing their opinion and punishing those who disagree with it. Um, and these girls, they're cancelling, in inverted commas, a guy, a male student at the school for allegedly stalking another female student. Um, and this guy that they're cancelling, his name's Jack, he's being really badly bullied and um, he's not very popular to begin with. So Sadie starts to question the girl's motives a little bit here, but she wants to be popular. She wants a pink badge. Um, and so she doesn't say anything until, against Alexa's wishes, she starts spending time with a girl named Lauren, who is the girl who was allegedly being stalked. And Sadie finds out a secret, which is that this whole thing is much more complicated and nuanced than it first seemed. Um, and being Sadie being Sadie, she decides to get involved and try to fix things, try to make things better. It all spirals really out of control for her socially at school. Um, and as this happens, the old Sadie, the one she was so desperate to leave back behind, um, comes creeping back in. Well, you sold me. That's it. I'm, I'm out <laughs> to buy a copy. It is, as, as Jane mentioned, there are so many issues and exposed through these incredible characters that you create. But I want to take one step back first. And I, I want to ask you what the inspiration was for writing Sadie in the first place. Yeah, so when I was 14, my family moved from Sydney to London. And I always remember a friend, a school friend, um, turning to me with sort of these like excited, bright eyes and saying, you know, you can be anyone you want now. You can totally reinvent yourself. And that's always really stuck with me. I've always been fascinated with this idea of starting over, um, whether it's possible to leave our old selves behind. And I think that's a really um, relatable thing. I think it's very common. We all look for opportunities to start over, even in small ways. We love a, a reality TV makeover show, new hair, new wardrobe, new me. I'm sure we've all made like a New Year's resolution. We all love a Monday, you know, from Monday, I'm going to exercise three times a week and I'm going to eat healthily and I'm going to, you know, keep the house tidy. And um, I actually saw this great tweet a couple of months ago by a social psychologist and she had uh, had a picture of a, a notebook from Officeworks or something. And uh, the tweet said, this is it, the notebook that's going to get my life together, you know. And I think we love these, maybe this magical item that will magically, you know, instantly make us better. So I thought a character who is obsessed with this idea would be interesting. But as I started writing Sadie, I realised that this obsession with starting over actually stemmed from a really sort of perfectionist black and white um, thinking that, and that she was 
really struggling a lot more than I'd initially realized because, you know, what happens when we can't live up to the standards that we set ourselves that are so high? You know, Sadie became a really, a girl of extremes. Uh, She, you know, if her schoolwork isn't going perfectly, she wants to give up completely and doesn't study at all. If she, um, if her calorie counting isn't, isn't perfect, if she slips up at all, she binge eats. Um, So that was Sadie. And then as I was writing this character, I was also thinking about the black and white, all or nothing framing that can cause some division in our social discourse, um, particularly online. Um, I think there can be a real lack of nuance sometimes in some of the conversations we have about social issues. You sometimes have to parrot the socially approved narrative or you can be an outcast and there's uh, there's sometimes no option to ask questions or maybe have an opinion that sits in the grey area. It can be, you know, all or nothing. I saw this, this meme a couple of months ago as well that said, don't tell me you're an environmentalist if I see you using a takeaway coffee cup. You know, and it's really interesting to me because it's sort of such a divisive way of looking at such a really complex issue and a really complex solution to that issue. And it uses this this coffee cup as this sort of um, purity test, which I think is really interesting as well. And uh, and it's a, it's a little bit schoolyard. It's sort of like, you know, if you don't perform your environmentalism in the exact perfect way that I say you should, then you're out of the Save the Earth Club you know, or thinking about all that, that's where the girl group at Sadie School came in. Um, They're very all or nothing black and white thinkers. Um, If you don't wear the pink badge, you're patriarchal and problematic. If you don't post the right thing to social media, you clearly don't support women. And particularly the narrative around Jack and the alleged stalking, they're very black and white about believing all women, no matter what, no questions asked, we believe all women in every circumstance. Um, and that's where the story starts to get um, a little complicated for them. So, yeah, and then finally I, I became interested in these girls' motivations because um, they're just teenagers and I think a lot of them mean really well. They want to support women and others, their motivations are not as pure maybe. So I wanted to take the high school mean girls trope and sort of ask the question, what if some of these girls were hiding their bullying behind, you know, performative social activism and also ask the question, how do we how do we stand up to people doing the wrong thing in the name of the right thing without looking like the bad guys ourselves? So that's sort of where Sadie and the girl group meet and where it all sort of came together, that black and white thinking and the need for more nuance. I'm also really interested in, obviously, in the character of Sadie and and Sadie's eating disorder. Um, and as much um, as it illuminates about her character, it also tells us, especially with her mum, the way her mum's thinking plays into that into that disorder. Can you talk a little bit about that for us? Yeah, so Sadie, um, as I alluded to before, she struggles with binge eating, uh, calorie restriction as well, but binge eating. Um, and she's not clinically diagnosed in the book, but I wanted to shine a light on binge eating disorder, which is Australia's most common eating disorder. Uh, it's just not spoken about much because there's a lot of shame and stigma attached to that. Um, so I wanted to put that on the page so that anyone, you know, any teenagers struggling with that, and I know a lot of them do, can see themselves and, and feel less alone and maybe get some help. Um, so Sadie's mum, she's a really image-obsessed 
woman. She's always, she cares a lot about what people think about her. She has an Instagram page for her business. She's always checking the likes. And, um, but she, you know, like all mums, she wants the best for Sadie. She loves Sadie and uh, she wants her to be healthy and happy. Um, But mum's version of healthy and happy is skinny. And so she thinks she's doing the right thing, um, but she's really, you know, playing into Sadie's disordered eating by, um, you know, trying to do the right thing for her, sort of going about it the wrong way. Um, But also Sadie's Sadie's dad for me plays into it as well um, in maybe a more subtle way. He's a really achievement-driven guy, right? So he, uh, in Sadie's eyes, her self-worth in his eyes comes from her school achievements. Um, And I think sometimes we attribute disordered eating, particularly in young women, to a sort of vanity, like they just want to look good, um, look good for guys, be thin, look good in clothes. But I think so often it's so much deeper than that. Um, It's often based in our achievement culture, wanting to be good, do something well, do something perfectly um, and achieve something. And one of those things that young people are told to achieve is, you know, a, a good diet or a good body. So her her dad plays into that as well, I think, in a more subtle way, just with that obsession with doing well in anything and everything. I think that one of the, the great um, strengths of this novel is that, I mean, we're talking, we're talking here about some very, some quite heavy issues, but um, it's actually, it's a character-driven novel as well. And it's beautifully uh, beautifully portrays those characters um, and the way in which you allow the the issues to um, to come up to bubble up through the characters. So we're all we're, we have such empathy for Sadie, um, and then you know when when the issues come into it, we're looking at at it through her eyes in a in a magnificent way, I think. But I want to I want to talk to a little bit about the character of Jack as well, who really interests me, um, and just how different Sadie's first impressions of him are compared to reality um, and how easily people can be misunderstood on first impressions. Yeah, so Jack's um, such a beautiful character. I've had um, a few readers respond to him so beautifully so far and really connect with him. Um, You know, it's the classic case of someone who's just so misunderstood. Um, He's struggling with mental health issues himself and um, has a tough time at school, doesn't have many friends, um, and certainly the girls, they feel justified in um, bullying him essentially uh, because they think he's been stalking this other girl. Um, but, you know, I think they would they would be bullying him, some of them anyway. Um, and Sadie certainly at first, um, you know, she's on the pink badge brigade and she she's, you know, she's right on board with treating Jack um, really poorly and she does. Um, but they're actually neighbours. And so they get an opportunity to hang out. There's a street party and some awkward like interactions and they end up in his bedroom together um, hanging out. And she she gets the opportunity to get to know him a little bit more. Um, and, of course, there's so much more to this guy than what they've seen on the surface. Um, and Sadie has this real moment of melancholy where she feels so sad that people can be so misunderstood. Um, and not just Jack, I mean, for me, uh, you know, the, the ringleader of this girl group. Um, she's a classic case of that as well. You know, she starts out as the classic mean girl, but there's so many layers to why she's behaving the way she's behaving. Um, and also Sadie herself, especially with the sorted eating, I think, um, you know, someone like Sadie who isn't really overweight and not really thin, 
Um, I think people don't recognise perhaps on the surface what might be going on underneath. We're all so much more complicated than we seem. And so, yeah, first impressions we know are um, are not everything. Yeah. You are, there'll be a lot of um, viewers online tonight and for them you are living a dream right now because this is your your debut, it's out, this is the launch. Um, Can you tell us just a little bit, I know Jane alluded to the text prize, but just a little bit about that publication journey for you, the writing journey? Yeah, it is uh, is the dream in so many ways. Um, You know, there you are, like, for years writing this novel and I'm a writer by trade, that's what I do for a job, and yet still you're writing this novel and you don't know if it's any good. (laughs) Um, You just have so much self-doubt. And, you know, so maybe people some give you give you feedback, but still it's it's, you know, it's not until you you get that call. And so I submitted to, to the text prize and tried to forget about it. Didn't imagine I was going to be getting that call. And then, you know, it's it's like a no number or a random number, and you're like, oh, someone from marketing, you know, and whatever I'll pick up anyway. And, you know, and it's someone from text publishing, and you know, you sort of it, like it gets fuzzy in your ear, and you just think publishers don't call people that they're not giving good news to, right? This is not, you know, like, so um, so a shortlist of the text prize, which was just such an incredible moment, all that worry and self-doubt about whether you could do it um, sort of evaporates in that moment and you've you've got to this point. And then a few weeks later I got a call from Jane and, again, thinking why would she be calling me if it wasn't good news? And it was so great. The first thing she said was, I've got good news and bad news. You know, you, you didn't win the text prize, but we'd love to publish your novel anyway, which was good enough for me <laughs> by far. Um, and then, you know, you go through the editorial process. I think, um, you know, if you're outside the industry, you might think that you sort of um, get this book deal and then maybe you edit out a few typos and then it goes to print. Um, but there is so <laughs> there is so much work in between getting the book deal and it going to print. Um, you go through several rounds of edits and that's where someone like Jane comes in who was always my dream editor. She is so incredibly talented and working with her was by far the most challenging and rewarding creative experience of my life. Um working you know working with someone who believes in the story you're trying to tell and just wants to make that stronger and make the heart of the book shine even more is such a special experience um so we worked and worked and worked um and then you know it goes to print and then it arrives on your doorstep and you open the box and you're holding it in your hands uh and then you start to get feedback from real readers which is so surreal and special um, having people connect with the character that you've created. Um, you know, I think all authors, obviously, um, their books are special to them, but um, it's worth saying again that, you know, this book, it's a personal book. It's its really important to me. Sadie um, is, a, you know, for me, she's a real person. Um, and anyone that connects with her, especially anyone who might be struggling with what she's struggling with and feel less alone, that's um, just the whole point of doing this and is the most special thing. And that's kind of where we're at now, which is, yeah, that's the real dream. And I think it's showing in your face right now. <laughs> yeah, I do want to take you back to the beginning of what you said. You must be a one in a million writer because you said you submitted to a to a competition and then you forgot about it. I, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how yeah. that works. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have a little reading from uh, Miranda as well. So we'll hand over to you for that. All right. Well, I'm just going to read um, the little opening of the novel. Okay, chapter one. 
A bathroom cubicle probably isn't the best place for a fresh start, symbolically speaking, but that's where I am. Perched on the toilet lid, knees pulled to my chest, staring down at my phone, about to delete my life. Attention passengers, flight QF472 to Melbourne is now in its final stages of boarding. I block out the echoey speaker voice calling from the nearby gate and refocus on the screen. You can't rush a rebirth. Are you sure you want to permanently delete your account? Instagram asks me. This action can't be undone. Well, obviously, that's the whole point. That's what makes it feel so freeing. A few cubicles down, someone flushes. I mentally transform the sound of rushing toilet water into something more meaningful. Purification, cleansing, baptism. This moment is holy. I tap yes, then move on to the other apps. I feel lighter and lighter as I delete TikTok and Snapchat, even my barely used Facebook. Photos, comments, likes, gone. Versions of myself I've magicked into existence are all erased in an instant. My name, written in golden sparkler, disappearing into the night sky. For a moment, I float up above my earthbound self and see me from someone else's perspective. And yeah, a 16-year-old erasing her online life does seem a little disconcerting. She must be escaping some brutal online bullying, or maybe she's gone viral for all the wrong reasons. But it's not that. It's about what it stands for, like how a heart emoji has a whole world of meaning behind its shape. Besides, I don't exactly have a lot to lose. The last TikTok I posted was a year-old trend with out-of-sync audio. It got four likes. Once my apps have been sucked back into the ether, I decide to take it one step further, just to be sure I leave my old self behind. After three attempts, I remember the password for my old blog, The Adventures, the Adventures of Kant, the Philosophy Cat, and delete it. Rest in peace, wise feline friend. Sadie, hurry up, sweetie. Please don't make us that family. I sigh, unsure why our reputation with random airport strangers should matter, and shout out to mum. Coming! I check my phone one last time for a message from Daniel, but there's nothing. Just the generic background with that ridiculous selfie of us on the roller coaster at Luna Park Sydney was until this morning. Eyes wild, mouths wide, life rushing in. I flick my phone to flight mode before I can obsess any further. Then I flush for symbolism's sake, unlock the door and step out. I pause, staring at the girl in the soap splattered mirror, plain t-shirt, jeans, clear lip gloss, a blank slate, a fresh start personified, a whole new me. I walk out of the bathroom and into my new life. I almost started crying. (laughs) (laughs) I think, uh, Miranda, you are about to have a legion of fans with this book, so I'm sure that they will want me to ask this question, even though every author hates it. Mm. What will be coming next from Miranda Luby? Yes, great question. Um, I have a book that uh, I first started writing before I wrote Sadie Star, um, and I've been rewriting it and rewriting it. And it's it's as you know, all books are authors. It's really really special to me. Um, so I'm I'm still working on that one, and um, and I'm hoping that that that's the next book. But you know, as well, it's um, you know, we do live in such an achievement driven culture, and I think. Um, I think it's so special to have um, to pu- have published a book at all, and so you know I'm grateful for for having done this, and I'm proud of it. And so you know w- what's next is is you know we'll see what will be will be, but um yeah I'm stoked about this book. 
That's great. All right, I'm going to rip straight into the questions that people have been piling up in uh, in my chat box here. Sam asked the first question very early on, and that was, um, can he ask what the original title was of the book? Yeah, it was Therefore I Am. So Sadie is quite into philosophy in the book, but the original draft, she was really into it and um, always using like, um, you know, different um, ideas about philosophy to sort of figure out her problems. And um, it was a little um, esoteric probably for teenagers and certainly the title was as well. Um, And I was never too wedded to it. I thought it was kind of cool. And if you think something's kind of cool in your writing, it has to go because, you know, it's probably you're too, you know, you're too into it. So, yeah, that was the original title. Um, But I love, I love the new one. Okay, next question comes from Tara. Um, Miranda, if you had to start over in a new place, what part of the world would you choose? Oh, interesting. I mean, kind of coming down to the coast was starting over for me because I grew up, you know, not in the city, but I was definitely more a, a city girl, you know, going out clubbing and wearing like pretty dresses. And then I met my amazing partner, Cormac, and came down here about 10 years ago. And that was starting over for me. I'd like discovered surfing before I was terrified of waves and um, you know, spent a lot of time outdoors now. So I think th- that was starting over for me and and like finding myself um, down here. So can I start over here again? <laughs> That's the correct answer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next question comes from Chris. Miranda, I really love the way you set out, set out your stall uh, on the issue of nuance regarding modern discourse. How receptive do you think modern readers are to the prospect that they may be opening of a book that doesn't agree with everyone of all their sagely held opinions and positions? Yeah, it's such a good question. Like when I was writing it, obviously there was a part of me that was slightly nervous about it being controversial. Um, But then I realised, and this is the reception that I've had, is that, you know, while there is themes and messages in the book, this is just one story. And to me, it's one true story. It's something that I believe can happen and possibly has happened. Um, And so for me, that can't be controversial. Um, You know, even if there's one or two situations like this, it means that we do need to have more nuance in our thinking, because if we don't, lives can be ruined. You know, while it has the potential to be um, to, you know, for, to put people offside. I think when they're actually reading a story, it's just about these particular characters and what's happened with them. And I don't think there can be anything controversial about that because, um, you know, this stuff happens. And if we don't admit that, we are not going to be able to have a conversation about these things, you know. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from from Roy, uh, a writer himself, uh, shortlisted in the Peter Carey uh, yeah. recently. Love this story addressing such important themes, really powerful for young adults to read. Who else would enjoy it or perhaps benefit from reading it? Great question. Thanks, Roy. Thanks for coming. Yeah, look, I think anyone who struggles with black and white thinking, I um, was at like a car dealership a few months ago and I was speaking to this with the guy there, the, the car dealer, and he he was like in his late 50s and we were chatting about the book and he started to get really teary when I told him about Sadie's disordered eating and the themes and he like opened up to me about how much he was struggling with his eating and this really perfectionist thinking around it um he'd say I start my diet on Monday and then Wednesday I have this kebab and then I feel terrible about myself and I binge eat for a week and it made me really emotional like he 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 said I'm gonna buy this book you know so it's, it's for teenage girls and so it's about teenagers um but I think anyone who really has been through that 
struggle with that all or nothing perfectionist thinking will see themselves in Sadie and hopefully like go easy on themselves and recognize that it's not their fault. You know, this can be a mental health issue and perhaps they need some help. Um, So yeah, I think, um, I think anyone like that would identify with the book. That probably leads on well to Alex's question. What makes you want to write YA novels? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think in a way it sort of comes naturally to me. This seems like such a weird thing to say, but, like, I still feel like a teenager um, myself. Uh, You know, the voice is not difficult for me to inhabit. Um, I just think, you know, this this real, like, curiosity about the world and also just an intensity of emotion um, that is in young adult writing that I feel every day. Um, And so I think that that is a very, you know, team way of viewing the world, but um, that comes naturally to me. So, um, yeah, I think it's just the voice that I that I enjoy and it lets you explore some issues in a really, um, you know, highly emotive way, which I think makes for great reading. Yep, great. Caroline asks, uh, from everything you've learnt from the whole process of publishing a novel, how has your approach and thinking changed as you most likely probably start writing another manuscript? Yeah, oh, I mean... Going through the editing process, I learned so, so much about my writing um, and hence why, you know, I had this second book that before the editing process I was like, this is ready to pitch, I can't wait to send it to Jane. And then I learned so much and was like, this is not ready. And I think patience is so important there, um, you know, and not rushing rushing the next book off um, because you have the opportunity to, to say better book, there's no need to compare books, but to write a book that, Maybe you can go even deeper into an issue and have characters um, that connect with people even more. So, yeah, I think just editing, editing, you learn so much and then um, just being patient as well and going, I'm just going to give this one more go and see if I can improve it even more. Great. Uh, Karen wants to know what was the most joyful part of the writing process and what was the hardest part? Yeah, the most joyful part uh, is finishing. <laughs> um, it's um, there are many moments. Those authors of, nodding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, writing's hard, um, but that's okay. That's just part of the job. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely moments where you feel like you've got the flow and that you've got you know you're really nailing a character. But certainly, um, you know, certainly finishing something and thinking, you know, I, I did it. That's um, that's a pretty joyful moment. And then um, the hard parts are, yeah, the self-doubt. It is really tough, I think, even writers who you think would have a lot of, um, you know, they've written five books and you think surely you know that you're a good writer, um, but still that self-doubt creeps in. It can be hard to come back to the desk um, and you just have to tune it out uh, and you learn that um, again and again and then you unlearn it and then you learn it again. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So it's a matter of running one marathon, then running another, then running another, then running another. And that's just one book. Yeah, yeah. I should have added to um, Karen, just has a little comment at the end of that, and that is that she thinks she'll be fighting her 15-year-old daughter for the first read of the book. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, Kai wants to know uh, what influence has your experience working with the wonderful Jane on the edits had on your current writing practice? Probably leans a little into what you've just said. Yeah, definitely. Huge, like I honestly think, you know, people ask, what are your writing tips? It's really, I mean, if you can edit your work with someone who 
um, well, loves your story and wants to make it better and knows how to, um, there's just nothing that's so invaluable. Um, and so, yeah, there's a couple of things that, you know, I recognize about my work now. And then I read that book that I'd written before. Oh, I've done the same things and I didn't see them and you can't see them. And that's okay. You know, you need, you need help. There's a reason there's an author and an editor. They're very different jobs. Um, so yeah, just being able to recognize, um, some of the things that I do in my writing, um, that I can work on. It's really helpful. And that leads, uh, really well into Jody's question, which is, did you share the book with anyone before you sent it to text? Um, how did you feel, uh, you know, how did you know that you were ready to hit send with it? <laughs> yeah, I, I did share it with only one person, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend. Um, this wonderful author and agent named Danielle Binks. Um, and uh she was very generous with her time and feedback um and really um helped me work on that novel a little bit. Um and then to be honest though, I did send it um not knowing really. Um, you're never quite sure. And I think there was a lot to work on with the book. Um but Jane saw the heart of it, the, you know, the story I was trying to tell could be really strong. And so it's really hard, you know, you, you don't necessarily know that it's ready and perhaps it's not ready, but if it lands on the desk of the right person at the right time who has the time to help you make it ready for publication, then, you know, that's very lucky. Um, so, yeah, I didn't know and I got lucky. <laughs> Um, last, just the last couple of questions um, before I'm sure you have your thank yous. From Beth, we love Sadie. Is there another book, a sequel perhaps with <laughs> Sadie, uh, with her on the cards? Oh, that's lovely. No, I think Sadie, um, she's got her journey to to go, you know, go alone on the next part of her, her life. And um, sometimes I think about how she'd be going and wondering about her relationship and whether her and you know, well, I won't spoil it, but we'll see. <laughs> no, there won't be another sequel. I think um, I'll let her, um, you know, live her live her life um, and, yeah, find her. And her. the last one, who would play Sadie in the movie? <laughs> oh, my God. I am so, so bad with movies and celebrities. Um, so I, I couldn't even begin to answer, although I will say that I've had so, so many people say, um, I think as a compliment um, that this book is a lot like a feminist Australian retelling of Mean Girls in like a really modern way. Um, so I think, you know, I, I can picture that um, that sort of vibe as the movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm terrible with celebrities. So, yeah, wouldn't any, anyone who wants to play it, go for it. <laughs> yeah, just put it in the chat box. Like, yeah. give us, hit us What up. do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Miranda, I'm sure you have a heap of people to thank um, and we'd like to give you that opportunity now. Great. Um, of course, I have a little list because you can't forget anyone. Um, of course, the whole text publishing team, um, you know, as I've, I've said, it's such a dream um, to, ha- to be published and to, um, you know, for people to have faith in your work um, is such an incredible um, joy and privilege and it's just been the best experience and I'm so grateful to text. Um, every minute working with them has been so special and phenomenal. So, um, and especially grateful to my editor, Jane, who, you know, I've alluded to how, um, how incredible that experience was working with her and how grateful I am that she saw the heart of my book and was, um, you know, happy to work with me to make it so much stronger. So thank you to Text Publishing. Um, Thank you so much, Mark, for 
doing this launch with me, your writing I have admired for so many years. Um, you're, you know, prolific and you're such a wonderful author. I highly recommend um, all of Mark's books for teenagers and adults, The Winter Trilogy and If Not Us. Um, he's just an incredible writer of place and character. And I'm I'm so grateful to have an author like that launching my book tonight. It's really special to me. So thank you, Mark. Um, to Elaine Webster, um, another incredible author, um, young adult author, um, she wrote the beautiful quote on the cover of my book, and I'm so grateful for that and um, the kindness and support she's shown me um, over the past two months in the lead up to the publication. I'll, I'll never forget. So thank you so much, Elaine. Uh, readings, thank you for hosting this launch. I really appreciate it. It's so nice to see everyone's faces in one place that we couldn't do in person. So thank you, readings, and please do support um, readings. Um, if you want to buy the book, you can buy it from them. Um, to my family and my friends and to my partner Cormac, you know, you've been through the whole the whole journey, especially Cormac, the highs and the lows. Um, it's a long journey and you need support and you need people who believe in you, but also people who can just talk you down when you're being like a little, a little crazy. Um, so, you know, you've all been so incredibly supportive and I genuinely couldn't have done it without you. Um, Mum and dad, you know, you know how I feel. I'm so grateful um, to all of you. Um, Hayden, Cam, Nat, Jen, you know, you're all, you're my rocks and I love you. Um, and for every single person genuinely who's here tonight, every single person on social media who likes something or shares something or comments, it really does mean so much, um, especially people within the book community. Sometimes I get asked, from people outside the community if it's competitive, you know, because it's hard to sell books, right? And there's only, you know, so many readers. And it is the opposite. Um, this is the most supportive community I've ever been a part of. There have been some, I'm going to cry, there have been some um, authors and um, just people in the community have gone out of their way to be so supportive, say the kindest things to me. Um, and it just makes you want to give back um, and be be a part of that community and support emerging writers in the way that other writers have supported you. And I'm just so grateful for every email, every message, um, every bit of support. It really, it comes together to, um, you know, to create this community that's so special to be a part of. Um, so thank you. And thank you everyone so much for coming tonight. I really do appreciate it. All right. And just before we officially launch, Sadie, um, I just wanted to add to that too, because you have been, if you look at the people who are here tonight, the number of writers among them, that is, this is your writing community. They yeah. are here and they're here to support you because you have supported them so strongly as well. So it, it will come back. It's karma. And, um, and I think it's a real demonstration of, of your contribution to that community as well. So with, on that note, thank you for, um, for having me launch it. And now we can officially say that Sadie is launched. Congratulations, Miranda. Thank you, everyone, for coming tonight. Um, on behalf of Text and Readings, we are so grateful to everyone who shows up to our events, whether online or in person. Um, we thank you for your support within our bookshop as well. Um, Yes, you can buy um, Mark and Miranda's books in our stores and online. Um, I'm getting a bunch of messages, I would just say, in the chat of um, saying congratulations and beautiful words and things like that for you, Miranda. Um, so, yes, thank you, everyone. I hope you all have a wonderful night and enjoy reading. <laughs> Thanks. Bye.
That was Greetings of Lucy Desk closing out that discussion with Mark Smith and Brian You can stream previous episodes of the Regents podcast at our website. We'll also find all kinds of other recommendations and great books, music, film, and TV. You can also sign up to Greetings. We'll receive our free monthly newsletter every month. The Greetings podcast is produced by me. All episodes of this show are recorded and produced on the lands of the country. I'd like to acknowledge.